Test sequence is downloading and we're clear for dispatch. Okay, let's move them ahead for test one. W Radio Your Information Station. Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and I want to thank you for tuning in once again this week. This is show number 66 for the week of May 11th, 2008. And first things first, happy Mother's Day to all moms and mothers-to-be. Now, on to this week's show. There's no news this week, as I produced the show early in anticipation of my Walt Disney World trip, but I do have a number of segments that I think you'll enjoy. This week, I wanted to address a question that many of you have sent me via email and voicemail, which involves staying off Disney property and renting a vacation home. Steve Trover, CEO of All Star Vacation Homes, joins me to answer many of your frequently asked questions, as well as looks at the pros and cons of renting a vacation home, who it might be right for and who it's not, addresses some possible concerns, and talks about the process. It's a great primer on renting a vacation home, and you just might be surprised as to some of the reasons why it might be a viable option for you and your family. One of the most important aspects of what I do is that of giving back to others with the help of so many people through my Dream Team project. And of course, I'm certainly not the only one who believes in helping others, and as I've done in the past, this week I want to profile someone who is truly making magic and a very big difference in the lives of children and families that need it most. He is Burt Weiss, a radio personality at Q100 in Atlanta, Georgia, and he is the founder of Burt's Big Adventure, an all-expense-paid trip to Walt Disney World for families that have children with life-threatening illnesses. It's an inspirational story that once again demonstrates the incredible generosity and dedication of people in the community as a whole. I also welcome back Jeff Pepper to join me in exploring not just a hidden treasure and character connection, but a fun place to grab a hot dog and a Coke, ride the bleachers, and catch a few tunes. So we'll take you out to the ball game at Casey's Corner on Main Street, USA. So to all you moms out there, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I've always been a very big proponent of always staying at a Disney hotel whenever you visit the Walt Disney World Resort for a variety of reasons. But sometimes there are reasons why it's practical and prudent to stay off-site in a very different type of accommodation. And in fact, it may be one of the biggest ways to help you and your family save money when vacationing to Walt Disney World. And now many of you have actually emailed me and asked about staying in a vacation home when visiting Walt Disney World. 
That prompted me to learn more about staying in a vacation home myself, but I certainly don't have all the answers. And as I like to do on the show, I wanted to bring in somebody who could help answer some of your frequently asked questions about staying at a vacation home, some possible concerns, whether it's right for you, etc. So I wanted to welcome in Steve Trover. He is the CEO of All Star Vacation Homes. They've been in business in the Orlando area for more than 10 years. Steve, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Lou. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. I, thanks for coming on. And uh, Steve, I want to start off by being clear that obviously All Star Vacation Homes is my recommended vacation home provider, and that's why I wanted you to come on. You're also a partner of the show, but as with any product or service that I recommend, you know, I personally use you, and I've done a great deal of research and due diligence in helping make my selection, giving me really full confidence in the quality of your product and your commitment to customer service. But what I really wanted to do, Steve, was start off not talking about All-Star, but I want to talk about the very basics of renting a vacation home. And really, can you just tell us what is a vacation home for those that may not be familiar with that term, especially as it applies to an Orlando vacation? Yeah, in Central Florida, there's a a number of different types of vacation homes as far as sizes. And then um, there's also different types, such as some people will call a vacation home a timeshare rental. So it might be at one of the timeshare areas. But in in Central Florida, traditionally in Central Florida, a vacation rental is an individually owned property, meaning there's one owner, not multiple. um, And it's in a residential uh, or resort community in close proximity to Disney that um, is rented out on a short-term basis, meaning less than, than 30 days, and is licensed exactly like a hotel. In the state of Florida, a vacation rental is treated very much like a hotel or under the same guidelines and statutes of the state. Um, a vacation home uh, typically is um, uh, either a two- or three-bedroom condo or anything from a three- to a seven-bedroom private pool home, and then there's also townhomes, three- or four-bedroom townhomes, which, homes which are an attached uh, uh unit as opposed to a detached unit like a single family home and uh, there are many thousands of them in central florida and there are literally hundreds of management companies to choose from and um, the, the pricing uh, due to that uh, ranges from uh, just a really uh, amazing uh, really low price under a hundred dollars a night for a single family home in some cases um, all the way up to you know five or six hundred dollars a night for a really really upscale larger home All right, so like I said, I'm going to start off with some very basic and very simple questions because I know for myself, when the topic of vacation home came up, I was very, very unaware of exactly what it is and what they included and what the experience might be like, say, as opposed to staying at a hotel um, on property or even off property. So can you tell us things about, you know, how they're furnished and some of the amenities that... um, you know, all the properties might have in them. Certainly. So um, the owner themselves um, typically is a part of designing what the property looks like. So they have, they make decisions on, on what types of furnishings um, that we put into the property. There's a lot of furniture package companies that, that would place those uh, furnishings and, and design the property. Um, and they, they're <clears throat> very much like a, a home, but also um, more, more like a hotel in the sense that they're going to have um, some standardization uh, throughout them, and, and uh, they have 
living areas, you know, dining areas. You have your own you know, a full dining room. You have uh, typically at least one, if not multiple, master bedrooms. Um, we have homes, as an example, that have up to five here in Central Florida, five uh, master bedrooms. Um, you have a fully equipped kitchen uh, with the, that does have all of the dishes and cooking and eating utensils uh, to make a meal with, which is uh, a really nice feature. Um, you have a washer and dryer, uh, which you obviously would not get in, in a hotel. Uh, which is a really uh, a nice feature. Uh, you can go home with clean laundry uh, instead of packing uh, up all the dirty. So, and if you, you don't have to pack as much, which is a, a nice feature. Um, most homes uh, in in Central Florida have a private pool. Uh, many have a hot tub or jacuzzi as well. Um, the pools are interesting, uh, especially if you're from the north. Um, they're screen enclosed, so uh, there's an enclosure around the entire pool area, which keeps the the bugs away uh, during the summer months uh, when, when the mosquitoes are heavy. So you can come back from the park and, and really enjoy the pools uh, without having uh, to deal with bugs. And um, the kids just absolutely love that. They love to be able to be in their own swimming pool. So that's probably one of the biggest features of a vacation home of a single family home. And then in condos and in townhomes, um, typically those are in resort communities where you would also have uh, a resort pool similar to what you'd expect at a resort hotel. Um, and some have water slides and those types of things. But again, going back to within the unit, you have um, a, you know your full living area with uh, TVs. Typically in, in most bedrooms of the vacation home in Central Florida, you're going to have uh, a cable TV, a lot of times a DVD player in each bedroom as well. Um, many homes uh, uh, have computers now, so you have a computer uh, with broadband internet access. You can you can find those with Wi-Fi. So if you brought your laptop, so there's just a lot of great features that you probably would not necessarily find in a, in a hotel. All right, now I'm going to ask you, you know, one of the, the the most basic of questions, but just from a practical aspect. Let's say, okay, I decide that I'm going to get a vacation home or a condo, whatever it is. I schlep my family from the airport, we get off the plane, I walk in the door, and sure, it's great that I have a kitchen, I have all these things, but again, forgive the the simplicity of this, but what about things like toilet paper and paper towels and soap that obviously we take for granted when we walk into a hotel? Is that something I have to worry about stopping and getting on the way in, or how are the the, uh, condos or the houses kind of sort of pre-stocked before I get there? Um, looking at it from an industry perspective, um, and this is almost across the board with all companies, um, you're at minimum going to have um, paper towels, and starter uh, paper towels, uh, toilet paper. There's going to be soaps and shampoos in the bathrooms, similar to you would expect at a hotel. Um, a lot of companies have gone, and we certainly do, um, and provide the um, uh, dishwashing detergent, uh, uh, some starter supplies for uh, for all of those things. So, laundry detergent, etc., um, trash bags um, as well. Now, you may not have enough, and, and depending on you know which company you go with or, or what they provide, and that's something to ask when you make that for the whole stay. And so, typically, uh, many uh, visitors will come in and, and do uh, it, maybe not the first right when they get in, but the next day um, go down to the grocery store and pick up some things. Um, many companies, including ours, will provide uh, a service. We, we provide a pre-arrival grocery service. Well, we will do that for you. So you can tell us exactly what you want, and then when you ha- come to the home, all of those things are already in the home for you, which is a really great feature. And if you want to go out and get your own supplies, whether it be to cook or for cleaning or you need 
baby food or diapers? Are there places, for the most part, close by to all the properties where you can go out and, and get this kind of stuff? Certainly. There's grocery stores within just a, a couple miles of, of almost any vacation home in Central Florida. So um, you can get there quickly. There's, there's multiple options for that. And it's, it's actually a, an inexpensive way to go as opposed to obviously going to a restaurant all the time. Now, just because you have a kitchen doesn't obviously doesn't mean you have to, to cook the whole time or anything like that. Um, there's, a, there's a couple different options. Obviously, you can do carry out or delivery to the home. But it's nicer than sitting on the hotel bed trying to eat a pizza. You've got a full dining room to relax at or, or watch TV in the living area and spread out so, so it's not as cramped. So it does allow you to save money that way. Uh, one, uh, one thing that's really great that, that we've started to do is, is bring in chefs, though. And it sounds expensive, but it actually can be quite reasonable uh, to have a chef come in and cook a meal for your whole family, which is obviously a really fun thing to do maybe once or twice on, uh, during your stay. Um, and then mom doesn't have to, you know, really work it after if she's not a, a big cook and, and have to do all that. But you get to have that, that home cooked uh, style meeting, or, uh, I'm sorry, meal there at the home, and it's really a relaxing way to do that, as opposed to going to a crowded restaurant with the kids. So. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, especially thinking if you're coming down with you know 10, 12, 14, 16 people in the family, you don't feel like cooking. I never even thought about having somebody come and do that for you. Um, yeah, we have quite a few great chefs and uh, again surprisingly reasonable so. alright again some of the the more practical things and I'm going from from my perspective and based on some of the emails that I'm sort of answering while asking these questions are things like what about cleaning you know obviously this is not a hotel um, so mm-hmm. is there a cleaning service before I get there during my stay after I leave how does that work Yes, it's um, it's definitely clean prior to your arrival. So you'll show up, and, and we'll, you know the towels will be in place. The beds are perfectly made, similar to what you would expect at a hotel. What you won't find typically is that it's daily maid service. So um, you know there, there's uh, typically a vacuum and cleaning supplies if you want to do it yourself. However, um, most companies, uh, definitely ours, will um, uh, do additional uh, cleaning services for an additional charge if you require it. A uh, few people do. Um, you know, they really don't uh, use that service that often. Most just decide that, in, in, you know, to kind of keep it tidy. Uh, we do leave uh, additional sheets and towels and, and whatnot in the property uh, for your stay. And of course, you do have your washer and dryer. So now it's, it's that is one of the biggest differences between a vacation home and a hotel. But again, you, you do have that option if you choose to have us come in each day and, and uh, clean up. So. All right. Yeah, before we get to some of the advantages, and I think there are many um, that I've come to learn of staying at a vacation home, I want to talk about some of the possible concerns that people have. Because I know for me personally, when I thought about a vacation home, these are the things that popped into my mind right away. And mm-hmm. one of the first things, especially because I have young kids, is what about safety and what about security? You know, now I'm not outside that Disney comfort zone. Um, Right. Are, you know, are the communities all gated? Are they secure? Certainly. Um, we have different types of communities um, in Central Florida. Some are just an, an open community. They're in nice neighborhoods. It's not like it's in a, in, in a bad area uh, at all, but there may not be a, a form of security in that area. Then there are gated communities, uh, which gives a little bit more uh, privacy and security, obviously uh, not having everybody come through. And then there are those with uh, communities with guards, 
So there'll actually be a guard at the at the front, like you'd expect at a Disney hotel when you check in there. Um, somebody you have to go through the gate. So there is that security element as well. Um, and many of the homes have gone to um, uh, key coded uh, entry way, so there's not a hard key, which is a, big, a nice feature, a security feature. Um, but really, I mean, it's it's a very again they're in nice areas of. Uh, you know, west of, of Disney, typically, uh, right out in the 192 corridor, and uh, very secure, not not really a, a security issue in the area. Well, you actually bring me to my next question, which is, you know, location, location, location. I think for a lot of people, where these are in proximity to Walt Disney World might be a concern, because now I'm not staying on Disney property. Uh, obviously, renting a car is going to play into that. You know, how close are the properties to Walt Disney World? And talk about the transportation issue. Well, again, um, from a general perspective in Central Florida, not, not talking about All-Star just yet, um, there are properties um, as far out as 20 miles. Now, the bulk of vacation homes are, are you know, within probably about a 10-mile uh, radius radius of Disney, heavy um, in the southern uh, corridor, Osceola County or Kissimmee area, if you will. And... Um, Yet there are homes that are very, very near, and uh, the homes that we manage, as an example, are all within five miles of Disney, um, and um, close to the Animal Kingdom. Uh, we have—I like to uh, say that all of our homes are actually closer to the Animal Kingdom than the Animal Kingdom is to the Magic Kingdom, as an example. So, um, obviously, uh, Walt Disney World proper is a very large uh, area geographically, and so um, we, you can be very, very close to, very, you know parts of the theme park there. Um, we do have different ways to come into Disney now. Um, that, uh, from uh, the west side now, there's a new entrance in there. Uh, you can come in uh, through the Sherbeth Road entry um, near um, Animal Kingdom Lodge, and uh, that gets you there very, very quickly. So it doesn't take long to, to get from a vacation home onto Disney property at all. Um, Transportation, obviously, that's probably one of the biggest differences between staying on property and not, is that you have to have a, a rental car, typically. I mean, you could use taxis and that sort of thing. There's not really a, a, a great option from a public transport perspective, uh, buses, so you definitely would want to rent a car. And what it does, uh, you know, for me, I know um, I, I love Disney. Love to be on Disney property, but there's so many things to do in Central Florida. So it gives you the ability to explore some of the other things that there are outside of Disney when you have a rental car. So it's, you know, it's again, it, it, like we're saying, it's not for everybody. And of course, many of your listeners are always going to be staying on, on Disney property. But when you when you have a group or a family um, and and you want to uh, spread out a little bit, it's an, a great option to stay on a vacation. Right, and just to speak to the transportation again, you know, I'm somebody that. Well, I think Disney transportation is wonderful and, for the most part, very efficient. I like renting a car, um, especially when I go with my family, because now I don't have to worry about car seats and strollers and things I need to keep in there and, and whatnot. But you also don't have to worry about waiting for a bus at the end of the night, uh, waiting for the bus to your resort. And you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, when you get back to your... If you do have a, a rent-a-car, for example, you don't have to worry about how far away you're going to park from your room. You're now parking right in front of or inside your garage at your at your own private home, which I think is actually an advantage. So I think there's a lot of advantages to having a car, especially if you are staying at a home or, or one of these offsite properties. But Absolutely. you said you, you, you've made reference to the fact that obviously these homes are not for everybody. You know, staying at a vacation home is not for 
every person or type of family that comes down to to Walt Disney World. Who do you think really they're they're for, and who's going to get the most use out of them? Who maybe is not the the person that should be looking at a vacation home? Um, some probably obviously somebody that just desires to be completely encompassed by um, Disney at all times. Um, you know that that may you know just may not you may not enjoy it. Um, but I have not found that to be the case. You know, I've had so many people that have come that are just uh, really into Disney, like I'm sure most of the listeners would be, um, and experienced uh, a vacation home and, and were surprised at, at how much they enjoyed it and, and were able to um, still experience Disney in a great way without uh, being and staying on property. So, uh, But there are those that just absolutely want to be there, and I understand that, I do. So I think that they're certain, but I think it's still worth trying at some point, especially if you come on a regular basis. Um, and then, you know, vacation homes, maybe not for if a couple was coming, maybe, you know, uh, because of the size, you don't need all the space or you don't desire that. So a hotel room suffices and, uh, and that may be a better way to go. Although, um, ha- again, having the kitchen and the laundry facility and, and more importantly, the pool and the jacuzzi and, and some of the other features that are there, um, it's something to consider even if you only have a small group. So it really, it, it does work a lot better when you have a family or if it's, um, uh, you know, multiple men coming down to play golf and, and at Disney and that sort of thing or, or uh, girlfriend getaways, it, it works well for that as well. So. Um, one of the nice features of some of the larger homes is they have multiple master bedrooms. So, uh, for instance, four, four uh, women might rent a four-bedroom home and they all get their own bedroom. And, that, and that's a, uh, a very inexpensive way to come and visit when you get all of the uh, luxuries of the vacation home. So I think there are some uh, folks that probably it just wouldn't work out for, but it definitely is, is great for anybody with a family, especially if you have four or more in your party. Yeah, and that's and from a personal perspective, that's what I thought of. My father took my entire family to Walt Disney World a number of years ago, and you know, the logistics of trying to get rooms that were near each other or connecting rooms, and you know, this kid wanted to go play with this cousin that was running down the hall. To be able to have a big house of our own, where there's a family room where the kids can play, or our own private pool. Um, or, or you know, separate bedrooms wherever I can. You're not on top of each other. Really, would have been a benefit. So I think for maybe the large families or, or multiple families like that, that those would be the people that really might benefit um, from something like. This. Especially for people who want to maybe not be at the parks all day every day and want to spend some time just relaxing and enjoying just being on vacation and not going commando style. I'm uh, I'm hesitant to say this on this program, but we've heard many times where. Um, literally the kids will be um, at the park and towards the end of the day and they'll be begging mom to take them back to the pool at the house. So, um, you know, I, again, I love Disney too, but sometimes, you know, when the kids have been encompassed uh, by Disney for a long period of time, they they just want to go hang out in their own pool and that's a really great feature. So something to consider. The other, you know, the groups, and we talked about larger families, a lot of times uh, multiple generations will, will come. So grandma and grandpa, the kids and then the grandchildren all coming together and from different states and when you do that in a vacation home it just gives you the the ability to come together as a family and really enjoy that time together when you're staying in a hotel even though all of the hotels on Disney property are fantastic um, it's difficult to then gather together um, in a large group so I think um, with large groups especially um, it just really makes sense to do a vacation home 
And listen, having young kids and having been to Walt Disney World and Orlando in the middle of August, sometimes you need to go back and spend some time at the pool. And it would be nice to be able to sit maybe in the living room while the kids are in, in the pool and you can watch and not have to worry about actually sitting by the pool. But obviously one of the big factors and one of the real reasons to look into a vacation homes and something to place in decision is cost. And I know that there's mm-hmm. a wide variety of rentals and types of homes can you talk a little bit about the cost factor and how that plays in and maybe some comparisons to, you know, we'll look at some comparisons to what we're looking at maybe staying on property. Sure. Um, well, you can rent condos. Uh, I know in this area for, you know, probably as little as $70 a night as an example, uh, single family homes for a uh, hundred, uh, a little over a hundred dollars a night uh, with a pool. Um, we're you know, all-star, if you will, is a little higher than that. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, it's definitely, if you want to go economy, there, there's plenty of inventory in Central Florida of vacation homes uh, where you can rent a, a home for the price of a moderate resort or even a one of the entry level resorts in some cases. So it's definitely a cost effective way to go. The rental car that, that you have to get um, uh, can be offset by by even the savings over if you had to get, say, two hotel rooms for your family, uh, which obviously you do if you have a group size of five or more. So um, it's definitely a cost. Uh, you know, we, we, I think hands down you win if you're just talking about price. Um, value uh, is there as well and having all of those amenities uh, of the pool and the, the kitchen and so on and so forth. So there's, I think there's a lot of cost savings you get through the kitchen uh, if you utilize it and as opposed to always going out and eating out or, or room service for that matter. So um, yeah, definitely cost plays into it. Well, I just quickly, you know, I went on your website and we'll talk specifically about you know, your properties and costs, because I said, okay, if I'm going down with my kids um, and I want a little bit extra room, I looked and, and you can get a two bedroom, two bath condo with one master. And th- this is for this time of year for around $129 per night. Mm-hmm. It's comparable in space from what I've experienced to really like a two bedroom villa at a DVC resort um, with the two bedrooms, with the two bathrooms with all the extra living space, uh, which obviously would be much, much greater than that. But when you start talking about larger groups, when you're talking about, you know, multiple families with 10 peoples, uh, 10 peoples, 10 people, uh, now, you know, you have to look into some of the larger homes that you have because you've got seven bedrooms, homes that even sleep up to 16. Can you talk about how the the cost plays into, uh, you know, a factor when we start looking at much, much larger groups? Yeah, um, we actually have um, seven-bedroom homes starting around $369 a night, but a seven-bedroom home will sleep 16 people. So if you break that down, um, you would need a minimum of four hotel rooms to be able to do that. So, again, it becomes very cost-effective to get. And, and, and can you imagine, you know, four people in each hotel room and for that'd be pretty crowded so probably in most cases for a group that size would need even more than that and so it, it just it, it gets extremely expensive to do that on property and with uh, with the homes you, you have again that living area to congregate when you have groups so uh, we, we have um, many homes five bedroom and larger uh, all-star has uh, around 90 properties that are five six or seven bedroom we do have 27 bedroom homes available uh, so the, the, for the bigger groups, it, it really does make a lot of sense. 
Uh, going back to the condos, yes, they do start at 129. That that includes a three bedroom or a, a two bedroom, two bath tier uh, point. And then you have single family homes that start around 219. Uh, what I will tell you with our single family homes, that 369 for the seven bedroom at starting and the 219, that does include a free rental car uh, from Enterprise if you do a week stay. So that kind of takes the cost of the rental car out uh, of the equation. Okay. I didn't even realize it. So you're right. So that so there's an additional cost savings is there. So now you can kind of, uh, like I said, eliminate that. But let's talk about the process itself because what I think people need to do is actually, if they're looking into it, go through the process of looking at a home. And say, for example, if they go to the All-Star site, they'll see a list of all the condos and all the homes with actual photos. And, and now my question, I think a question other people might have is, is what I'm seeing on the website what I'm getting? Because I know for me, and I'll tell you, I've, I've visited some of the condos, I've visited some of the homes, and I was very, very impressed, honestly, at what I saw. Because I'm coming from Jersey, where when we think of renting a vacation home, that to me was like the small, musty bungalow on the Jersey Shore with the dirty carpets and grandma's furniture. And I was very surprised when I stepped onto the property myself. When people are looking at the websites, is it, you know, what you see is what you get? Uh, absolutely. So when you come to the All-Star Vacation Homes website, you would put in the dates that you're considering coming, and it'll pull back a list of properties to choose from. Those are all available for, for those dates. Um, you might select, uh, I want a four-bedroom or a five-bedroom home or whatever your size uh, is needed. And so you can pare that down. And we have the ability to compare properties side by side, which is a really nice feature on the site. Uh, when, once you get to the actual property page where the, the individual property is listed, um, you'll see as many as 30-plus pictures of that property. So we not only do we show an individual picture or a few pictures, we show every detail of that property a floor plan that shows uh, the bedding and where that, uh, which each bedroom, which type of, what size bed is in each bedroom, which is great for planning purposes. Um, you know, the whole layout of the property. We also do a virtual tour, which allows you to kind of look in each room and, and do a 360-degree view of, of that room. Uh, we have all of the information on the amenities within the property, and it's very, very detailed um, down to every aspect of, of uh, uh, TVs and, and, and all of the electronics. And you can really get an idea of the decor that's in there. We, uh, we have a, a professional interior designer uh, firm that does all of our homes. Uh, so um, although they do work with the owner uh, to, to kind of help decide what they want their home to look like, they're very, very upscale and, and professional and clean and modern. Um, it's not that musty old Jersey by the shore property that you described. It's a very, very upscale uh, environment and, and very uh, comparable to a nice resort hotel room, except you have multiple rooms connected to living space and, and, and whatnot. So, and then again, you know, I always go to, to the pool. So uh, what we found is when, when, when uh, families check in, everybody just goes right through the house and goes and checks out the private pool. So. Two quick things that I didn't see in the list of amenities, and there's a lot. You can choose if you want a game room, if you want a home theater, if you want a computer, Xbox, whatever. Two questions I had, Steve, was um, what about if you want like a non-smoking house, and what about accessibility for people with disabilities or mobility issues? 
Great question. So um, we don't have any homes that allow for smoking, so they're all non-smoking. Um, of course, you can uh, smoke out by the pool. So um, for smokers, you, you definitely have that ability. Um, and then on the accessibility question, we, we only have a handful um, of homes, but we have some amazing homes. If, if someone does need some access, has some accessibility requirements that are fully um, accessible to the point where they have the chairlift to go upstairs, rolling showers, um, even a lift that takes you down into the pool, um, and uh, so really amazing uh, accommodations for somebody who needs that type of accessibility. Um, and I, I, we have testimonials that are just amazing from, from folks that had never been able to enjoy an accommodation like that before. Um, so we, we can, and those are uh, rare and have to be booked in advance, but we do have a few properties like that. So. All right. Now I have to ask you the question. Okay, I've decided to go stay at a home. I get my key. I walk in, and now I've got a problem, or there's a problem with my reservation, or there's a problem during my stay. I can't go downstairs to the front desk and and address it with somebody. What happens at that point? What happens to the problem during the stay or before the stay? Well, typically, um, you would call us, and similar to a front desk, because we operate, again, very much like a, a nice hotel in that regard, um, we would answer the call and um, deal with whatever that issue would be. And so we have a full um, guest services team, a full property care or engineering maintenance team that's available, and we um, get there in minutes like you'd expect, again, at, at a nice hotel to take care of any issues that would arise whether it be something to do with um, the reservation itself or, the, or an issue with the property. And we are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, our office hours, are we're open till midnight each night. But if something happened beyond that, we are, again, available um, to take care of any issue that might arise. And, and let's talk about All-Star specifically. Uh, you know, how big is the staff? I mean, is it the one guy that's running around from you know, from hundreds of properties to, to one another, or do you, ha- you have a, a, a large staff? Yes, we do. We have over 40 uh, uh, people on staff, not including cleaners, that um, are there to maintain and service the guests throughout the stay. Um, we have a full uh, guest services team who, who keeps in, in contact with the guests for any, any needs that arise. And then, uh, again, the, the maintenance crew is, is always out in the field. One of the, the differences with All-Star is all the properties are located within just a couple of miles of our offices, and so we're not spread out over a large geographic area, and we can get to the properties very quickly. If you if you did not want to call us and you would prefer to come down to the front desk, you can um, come to our offices, which, again, are in close uh, proximity to, to discussing the issues that might arise as well. Some people prefer to do it face-to-face, and we are, we are there for you in that regard as well. So we have a, a large staff. We're very customer service oriented. We want to make sure you have a great stay and uh, we, we're there for any issues that would arise. Well, the one nice thing that I saw when I came to your offices was there were a lot of Trovers running around. So this kind of is a family-run <laughs> business, which I like as well. Yeah, um, my uh, entire immediate family, my brother, two sisters, and mother and father, we all work here. Uh, and then we have a lot of non-family members, but we, we, we do operate very much like one big family. So um, I think that's good when we're talking about uh, taking care of families on vacation. So. Exactly. All right. Now, speaking of families, I, I'm bringing my, my wife and kids now. And what if something goes really, quote unquote, wrong? You know, my kids decide that they're going to start coloring on the walls and the Giants lose a big game. And my wife decides to accidentally drop one of the TVs into the pool. 
What happens in those kind of situations if something accidentally breaks or the Xbox gets some soda spilled on it? Certainly. So um, we have a property protection fee that we do charge on each reservation, um, and it covers up to $1,500 in incidental damages. So if the kids did break a TV or, or something like that, um, there's literally no cost whatsoever. So um, we do take a, uh, the credit card at the time of check-in if there was something that was you know, you know full negligence or something like that. But if it's just an accident, um, you let us know about it, it's taken care of, you don't have to worry about it. So it's a really uh, nice peace of mind feature, if you will, not, not to have to worry about it. Because many of these homes uh, have... Uh, furniture packages and decor that exceed $100,000 just for the furnishings and, and, and interior design. So, um, you, you know, some parents are specifically are worried about that. And uh, yet with uh, with this property protection fee, you don't, you don't have to worry about that as much. So. And what kind of fee are we looking about? Is it a daily fee? Is it a one-time fee? It's a one-time fee. It's $60, um, no matter, you know, how long your reservation is, and that covers up to fifteen hundred dollars. And so we don't take a security deposit. A lot of people do not like to pay a security deposit. We don't. We don't require that. We just have the fee. So. Okay. And that's one of the things, obviously, Steve, that appealed to me was how you deal with some of these issues. And I have to be honest with you, I know people that have stayed at many of your homes. Um, some people have commented very, very highly. Not only only quality of the homes and the process, but if a miner did issue did arise, um, how it was handled. And many people have emailed me about how they were impressed by your commitment to service and how you fix things. And, and because of the way you did, the way you did things, they even recommended um, All-Star even more. But I just kind of w- want to summarize, you know, maybe the pros versus cons. And, and, you know, you can feel a jump in and add anything if I miss it. I think some of the pros are obviously the space, uh, the amenities like the pool, the kitchen, uh, it's great for large families or people who are staying for an extended period of time. I think clearly it's economical with between the cost of multiple rooms versus getting a vacation home, um, the ability to save money on food. You can stay at home and cook for breakfast, maybe come back for lunch or cook for dinner. Uh, they're safe. They're secure. They're great for people that maybe don't want to be in the parks all day and night. Listen, if you have kids and teenagers, the multiple bathrooms pays for itself, I think. Uh, and I think the privacy is a big issue as well. You don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about pool hours or sharing the pools or, or how much interior space you might have with four rooms at a value resort versus having the four master bedrooms at, at one of the homes. Uh, certainly, there are certain things to keep in mind. Obviously, you have to rent a car uh, with, some, with some of the specials All-Star has that may not play into account. Um, I think you should rent a car anyway, so maybe that's not as much of a factor. Uh, one question, are there any minimum night stays? Like, Can you stay only one night, or do you have to stay a certain amount of nights? That is uh, definitely a difference. So um, typically, um, vacation home companies require four nights, which we do do. We will take a three-night uh, three, uh, stay on a last-minute stay. Uh, you know, if you're booking for the next couple of weeks and it's open, we're definitely will be able to uh, accommodate that. So, no, you, t- you typically, and, and honestly, if you were coming for one or two days, it probably wouldn't be logical to, to, to rent a vacation home. You'd probably just use the hotel room and, uh, and, and go that route. So, it definitely is for the, you know, not necessarily long stays, but four nights or, or, or more is what I would recommend in a vacation home stay. 
And, and the one other question that, that somebody asked me that, that I have to ask you is that, that I think might be a legitimate fear for people because I think that's where it is. I think sometimes the fear of going off property and doing something that they've never done before is when I walk in the door or when I come to check in, am I going to get locked into some 90-minute timeshare presentation or am I going to be pressured to buy the home that I'm staying in? Absolutely not. Um, we uh, are completely and 100% against anything like that. Um, we do sell homes. We have a real estate company. Uh, these are individually owned properties, um, but you can't um, uh, scare somebody into buying a half million dollar or more vacation home. So if you're interested, you can come down and talk to us, but we never approach you about that whatsoever. Uh, you know, we don't interrupt your vacation, and we certainly don't require you to come down and listen to any presentation whatsoever. These are these are very much like a hotel in that regard. You just it's accommodations that that we are providing for you and, and servicing for you. You are not going to get uh, attacked or presented uh, anything in that regard. So. Yeah, like, like I said, it's a question that I've received via email a number of times, and, and I wanted to ask. So, certainly, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a misconception. I think a lot of people think it is. It, it would be like timeshare scenario, but it is not in any way. It's, it's, yeah. And clearly, look, you know, talking about this for thirty, thirty-five minutes or so is not going to answer every possible question that every family has because they have different concerns or thoughts or maybe needs for a vacation home. Uh, what I would suggest they do is obviously you have to do your research. Um, you can go to allstarvacationhomes.com. There's a lot of information there. There is a frequently asked questions page. I'm sure, Steve, they can also call if they have any questions uh, or if they're looking at some of the properties, some issues might come up uh, or, or questions they have. Yeah, we have a great reservation staff that are not only familiar with all of the differences of you know staying in a vacation home and, and our company, but they're very familiar with the homes. They we regularly tour the homes with the reservation agents. They they actually stay in them on occasion themselves and experience the homes. So they can really help you through the process of finding the perfect property uh, for you to stay in. So. Uh, for your family, and they they will spend the time with you. They're not on timers. We're not uh, trying to, you know, make the reservation and get them off the phone. Uh, we definitely want to help you make sure you make the right decision. The website has a lot of detail there about each property. Again, uh, we also have live chat on the website. So if you're on the site and you're checking something out, you can click on the live chat button and talk to one of the reservation agents, um, chat with them while you're looking at the property. So um, we definitely are there to help you through the process. For start to finish absolutely uh, so if you have more if you have if you have additional questions you can go to allstarvacationhomes.com steve strover ceo of all-star i want to thank you for coming on and taking some time to hopefully answer a lot of the the, the maybe basic questions that people had about the homes and the process and, and maybe some of its pros and cons thank you so much for having me on i appreciate it One of the greatest blessings that I've been able to receive from the Disney projects I've been involved in is really being able to give back to the community. And from the very beginning, I always wanted to help those that really do need a bit of that Disney magic that we talk about all the time. And my work in creating and raising money through the Dream Team project is very personal to me because it stemmed from my father's personal struggle with cancer and the children that I saw for many, many months up at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York. Um, but I'm certainly not the only one 
who takes the time and energy and resources to help others. And of course, I'm very lucky to have a wonderful team around me to help with the Dream Team Project. But like I've done in the past on the show, I want to help bring your attention to someone else who clearly gets it, as we say, and does amazing work to really make magic and dreams come true for children and families who need that magic the most. And he is Bert Weiss. He's a radio personality at Q100 in Atlanta, and he's the founder of Bert's Big Adventure. That's an all-expense-paid yearly trip that The Burt Show takes to Walt Disney World, accompanying families that have children with chronic and terminal illnesses. And it's my pleasure to welcome Burt Weiss to the WDW Radio Show. Hey, Lou. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. Burt, thanks so much for coming on, because what you do and what your, your organization does is really, really inspiring. So why don't you start off by telling us ins- what inspired you to... Uh, to come up with the idea for Bert's Big Adventure? Uh, well, the seed of the idea, you know, taking kids to Disney World um, isn't a unique idea. I used to work on a radio station in Dallas on a, uh, on a morning show, and the host was Kid Craddock. And he has taken this trip now for years, maybe 12 years. And it started out very, very small for him and kind of grew into this juggernaut. And I worked on his show for two years on the support staff. And while I was on that trip, I really noticed how the effect that the trip had on these kids while they were at Disney World. And I thought to myself, you know, if I could ever host my own radio show, this is the first thing I'm, I'm going to bring into my city. And I got hired in Atlanta probably five years after that first trip to, to Disney on his trip. And one of the first things I did when I got here was I started Birch Big Adventure. And what year was that? That was five years ago. Wow. All right, so tell us, you know, you have the idea... Tell us how you really got started with creating the organization and, and what that first year of taking these children and their families down was like. Well, the, the planning for it was really tough because starting a nonprofit here in Georgia, you know, the, the joke, which is not a joke at all, it's actually very real, is that it is harder to start a nonprofit in Georgia than it would be to open up a strip club. And it's true because <laughs> they really want to be sure that if you're raising money for a cause, that the money is going to that cause. So the state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta really make you jump through a lot of hoops to get it started. And this was my passion, and it was a passion of my wife's also. So she really started cutting through the red tape, um, and it just it took months and months and months to finally get Burt's Big Adventure started, to a point, actually, where my wife broke down in front of the nonprofit council in Atlanta when it looked like we weren't going to get issued our license. And... Uh, they succumbed to uh, her peers, and we ended up getting the license for Burt's Big Adventure, and that's how it all started. And that first year, I'll tell you what, I, I have really been lucky. We have had an amazing support staff right from the start. So even after the first year, things went so well that I started to think, how are we going to even improve on this in the second year? But somehow, some way, we add new wrinkles to it each and every year, and it's the kids and it's the families that make it special every single year for us. I can imagine. And tell us, so tell us about that first year, that first trip, how many um, kids went with you, and really, you know, how you, you went through that selection process maybe the first time. Well, I'm smart enough to not put the selection process in my own hands, because then we'd have uh, 17 planes of kids, because I wouldn't <laughs> be able to turn anybody down. So I put it in the hands of a medical staff, and they basically report back to me, and they say, look, Bert, these are the kids that uh, have the most immediate need, 
And on that first trip, I think they also said, look, this is our first trip. Let's sort of, let's sort of take it easy this year before we get into more extreme cases in the second year. So the first year was really sort of easy, but there's something very special about that first year because everything is a new experience. Like we're experiencing the park with the kids for the very first time, and there really weren't any problems or any pitfalls in that first year. Uh, we've improved on it since then, and now it's kind of like this machine moving through the park. But even now, the experience of going through Disney for the, the very first time, or I should say watching the children see Disney for the very first time, is just as special as it was on my first first Big Adventure trip. I can imagine, and, and we'll talk about maybe some of those memories and experiences. But tell us a little bit about what the actual trip is like, because this isn't just putting a family on a plane and sending them down there. You're very much involved from beginning to end. Yeah, we really want to get our hands very dirty in this organization. It's very personal for me, and my staff has embraced it also. So it's very personal for all of us. And you got to kind of keep in mind also the qualifications of this trip is the kids have to be between the ages of 5 and 12, uh, and they have to have a financial need. And this has to be their first time down to Disney. So the trip to Disney itself is the most magical part, but you have to also keep in mind that these families wouldn't be able to afford going down to Disney. A lot of these families have never been outside of Atlanta. A lot of these families have never stayed in a hotel. They have never been on an airplane. So everything that we do is really a first experience for them. So it is top-notch and it is first class and it is all a first experience for them all through the weekend. We start with a broadcast on Thursday where we introduce all of the family members to our audience. Um, we have a hotel here that puts the families up the day before the trip even so they don't have to make the long trip into Atlanta from their homes. Then we get on an airplane, an ASA plane now, and we go to Disney. We've got Mears buses waiting for us. And then from there on, it's first class all the way. We stay in the nicest hotels. Um, we pay extra for the nicest meals. We don't skimp at all, and that's why we're always sort of begging for money because we want this to be an entire experience for the family. We don't want to shortchange them in any way, shape, or form. So we do VIP the entire way. Yeah, and I'm going to direct people at the end of the segment over to your site, which is bertsbigadventure.org, and to take a look at the video that you have on there because it really gives a good idea of just what the experience is like. But you did something special that I took note of for one mother and her daughter that went above and beyond just the trip to Disney World. Tell us a little about what you did with that specially modified vehicle. Yeah, this was pretty cool. We had a uh, we had a, a girl named Alicia Sigpin on the trip uh, a couple of years ago. We've actually been lucky enough to do this twice. Um, in Alicia's case, she lost her arms and her legs to meningitis. Um, her mom brought her into the hospital on a Friday. She wasn't feeling good. And at that point, she had her arms and had her legs, got into the hospital, and this meningitis spread so quickly that by the time that she got out of the hospital, she had no arms and no legs. Um, and it has always been a struggle for the family, and they have never had a handicapped accessible vehicle. So her mom was literally picking her up and putting her into, like, the back of a Camaro. So I got together with uh, Team Nissan here in Atlanta, and we surprised her with a brand-new van handicap accessible and the mom has never had to lift up uh, Alicia since then that, that is amazing and you know the outpouring of support you know we talked a little bit about this offline the outpouring of support that you get not just from those 
some of the bigger corporate sponsors, but I, I'm just sure the community at large must be just overwhelming. Yeah, it 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 really varies. I mean, I'll have kids come up to the radio station that are seven years old, and they'll give me thirty five cents because that's all they have in their piggy bank, which is fine, you know. And then I've got uh, others that will bring by twenty bucks, and we have corporations that will give us up to fifteen, twenty thousand, and. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of um, people donating all in between that range as well. And we haven't had to really pay for anything on this trip at all. When my wife and I started the organization years ago, we probably sunk five or $6,000 into it just to start it out. And since then, everything has been sponsored uh, through either corporate sponsorships or individual sponsorships. And we haven't had to pay for anything. And like I told you before, we don't skimp on anything. We do it all first class. You know, we could stay in hotels that are cheaper. We could probably do fast food meals. But as I keep trying to stress, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And a lot of these families will never get to go on a trip again. Forget about Disney World. They'll never get to go on a plane. They'll never stay in a hotel. So we want to make sure that the family gets to do this thing completely VIP and completely have a unique experience. And that's... You know, like I said, the the blessing of the community, because when you tell people that you're doing something for kids that really need it and you bring Disney into the mix, the outpouring of time and support, whether it be financial or otherwise, from the community at large uh, is just and I obviously see it on a much smaller level than you do. But it's it kind of just runs through um, in the exact same way. Well, there's just this connection, I think, with Disney World, you know, like Disney World is part of the American fiber now. Uh, if you're lucky enough to afford to go to Disney, then you do it. It's just part of your childhood. So I think when when there are listeners or people that are thinking about donating to an organization, once you, you put the tie into Disney, there's just a warm place in everybody's heart for that park and that experience. So it makes it very easy to generate monies to bring children down there. Absolutely. And I'm sure for the families, too, and the kids, it's not necessarily about the trip itself or the material prizes, but really being able to spend that time away from the hospitals and the way from the doctors with their family and surrounded by people, not just at Disney, but you like your organization who, whose mission really is to make them forget and make them feel really special. It's, that's a great point, Lou. That's really our mission statement right there. It's just to get them away from protocols, get them away from doctors for a couple of days because what you don't realize, if you don't have a child that uh, has a chronic or a terminal illness, is that there's no such thing as routine in these families' lives. There's no such thing as dropping the kid off at 9 o'clock and picking them up at 4 and then you going to work. There are phone calls, spontaneous phone calls from a school sometimes. Um, if you have a routine plan for Tuesday, sometimes it's all jacked up because the child wakes up and they're just not feeling good. And before you know it, you're in the hospital for four straight days. And that takes its toll not only on the Birch Big Adventure child, but obviously the mom, the dad, and you've got the siblings to take into account for also. So, as you say, this is a weekend of escape. And for them to be able to escape to Disney World and forget about all of that stuff, and in addition, be able to bond with kids that are sort of in the same situation that they are, is it makes it a completely magical experience for the entire weekend. And for you and your staff, who I assume you have a wonderful team that works with you. It's got to be so rewarding to actually be there and be part of the experience and share that with them. Yeah, there's probably two parts to that. The The first part is absolutely hanging out with them in the park and going to dinner with them and really getting to know them and really 
sort of feeling bonded to them during these four days. But there's another special part of it also that I really take a lot of pride in, and that's that the families feel so close to each other after the trip that they're staying in touch with each other. And so now the trip is not just about Disney World, but now we're bringing Disney World back to Atlanta. And to see these families lean on each other um, has really just been a completely different part of this trip that I hadn't anticipated in the very beginning. And I'm sure you must take some incredible memories and incredible feelings back with you. But out of all the families that you've met and out of all the stories, is there maybe one that really sort of stands out as part of the Burt's Big Adventure experience or or one that really sort of means the most to you? Well, there are so many. I mean, that's like asking who your favorite (laughs) child is, right? Um, And there are a lot that stand out. But this recent trip, we had one family... Uh, and it's kind of a it's a, it's a it's a heartbreaking story, but uh, Chicota Martinez was on our trip this year, and this is just the most vibrant kid that you've ever met in your life. And he is a wheelchair, but he hasn't always been. Uh, he was fine um, all growing up until about eight years old, and then he started to have some back pain. And he woke up on a Saturday morning and said, Dad, I'm really not feeling very good. So they take him to the hospital, and they find out he has like a transverse myelitis. And I'm not exactly sure of all the doctor terms with it, but I do know this, is that he lost his legs within a weekend. They were gone. And this was a kid that was playing on a playground. He was playing football and baseball and just lost his legs. So now he's in a wheelchair. They lost a child six months earlier in the hospital also to pneumonia. And the mom just found out a couple of months ago that she had ovarian cancer. So when I say to you that we're trying to help the entire family try to escape, in this case, this is a classic example, because nobody needed this trip more than this family. They really just needed to get out of Atlanta. So I was watching his mom all weekend, and she, she's in real bad shape. I mean, this ovarian cancer has, has spread through her lungs and into her brain. And I just happened to have one scene that's kind of burned into my mind from this year's trip and we were staying at the boardwalk and my hotel room overlooked the actual boardwalk and I saw her out there with Chakota and her dad and at this particular moment Chakota turned around in his wheelchair and he was kind of like wheeling down the boardwalk and I could see the pain in his mother's face because this ovarian cancer has spread through her body she was wincing she was bent over and the last thing in the world she wanted to do probably was walk through the park but I'll tell you what, as soon as that kid turned around, Shakota turned around and started wheeling his way back to his mom, she straightened right up, and she acted like nothing was bothering her at all. And that's the kind of bonding that you see at this trip, and that is just a perfect example of the joy that we're trying to, even if it's temporary, provide for these families. Absolutely. And, you know, as Bert's Big Adventure obviously continues to grow over the past number of years, uh, you know, what's next, or, or what do you see... Um, you know, down the road for, for the project and the adventure? Well, we're really at a crossroads right now. Um, I do get pressure time to time from sponsors that want me to make it bigger. I mean, we've got one plane now from ASA, uh, and we could take about 70 people in it. And they've offered bigger planes, and they've offered more money. But I'm at a crossroads because, to me, the trip is about intimacy. It's about getting to know all of the kids that are on the trip, and it's about all the kids sort of getting to know each other and the families knowing each other also. So the one thing I do know is that I don't want to make the trip any bigger. So we're looking for ways to make it even more intimate and keep the families bonded. So outside of Disney, what we're planning on doing now is we're doing a lot of different reunions. 
Like, we're going to take all the Burst Big Adventure families and bring them down to the Georgia Aquarium for a day. Or we'll take them to a Braves game. Just to be able to keep them connected in this very tight now Burst Big Adventure community. So there'll be a series of, like, three or four different smaller Burst Big Adventures throughout the year with our epicenter kind of being Disney World. Excellent. Well, if I have any listeners in the Atlanta area um, that might be interested or know somebody, how would they go about nominating a child for consideration to be a part of the adventure? Or if any of my listeners want to help donate to Birds of Big Adventure, how do they go about doing that? Well, I would say go to our website, and there's one of two ways you can do that. You can either go to our radio station website, and that's all the hits, q100.com, or you can go directly to birdsbigadventure.org. Excellent. Bert, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, and congratulations to you and your staff for all the amazing work that you guys do. We talk about dreams coming true and making wishes and making magic, and that's exactly what you do, and I really applaud and admire you and your wife and, and everybody that works with you. Thank you very much, Lou, man, and uh, thank you so much for the time. Talk to you later. We'll go At the end of Main Street USA sits not just one of the finest dining establishments in all of Walt Disney World, that is if you're looking for hot dogs, but the repository of a hidden treasure trove of details and a great character connection. So to share a couple of hot dogs at the ballpark that is Casey's Corner is, of course, Jeff Pepper. Jeff, welcome back. Thanks, Luke. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Jeff, we always talk about everything in Walt Disney World, having a store behind it, and Casey's is certainly no exception, as it is not just a quick-service restaurant, but has a place that has a history that's attached to Main Street, its own history in the park, and a history that's also in relation to its namesake. So I thought we'd start off maybe by talking a little bit about the restaurant itself and its place in Walt Disney World history. It did open on October 1st, 1971 with the rest of the park. Back then it was known as the Refreshment Corner. And then during a re uh, refurb in 1995, the name changed, along with many of the things on that side of Main Street USA, to Casey's Corner. Uh, and that's sort of when the theming also kind of changed just a little bit. Uh, Coca-Cola started sponsorship around May of 95, about that same time. Since then, one thing that has not changed is what it served there, which is traditional American ballpark fare, and that sort of ties into the story and the theming as well. Uh, I think, Jeff, even at one time, you were able to get Cracker Jacks there. I don't know if you still can or not. Yeah, and the theming also 
kind of related to tying into, wasn't it not at the same time that they redid the House of Magic into the um, sports theme shop on Main Street and because they're interconnected by their interiors, I thought that was one of the, also seemed to be one of the logical reasons why they kind of brought about the, uh, the baseball theme. Right. During that 1995 period, that, that was a time of great transition and change on that side of Main Street USA. And like you said, the House of Magic went away. And some of the other shops that had gone away um, in that area, like the Penny Arcade, became the Hall of Champions. And actually, some of the seating area of Casey's Corner took over some of that back area that was once uh, I believe part of the Penny Arcade, but you're right, if you look into the Hall of Champions, especially where it connects to Casey's, it ties in with that baseball theme and onto other sports themes as well. And interestingly enough, as kind of almost sort of a, an interesting little holdover from the Penny Arcade, there's a pinball machine in the back corner there. Yeah, I'm going to try and see if I can find it. It's a great old, well, for many of us, old uh, sort of pinball game, but it's not a traditional pinball game. It's actually a baseball game that's got right, a little metal right. ball that kind of goes and you can your little player sort of lights up and kind of goes around the, 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 the virtual field there. Um, but, you know, talking about that seating area, that goes with the whole theming. It, it is themed to this old-time, late 1800s American baseball park, and there are bleachers and uh, a scoreboard and lots of authentic and some not so authentic, we'll get to that later, memorabilia, uh, there's pennants, and of course the movie screen that shows a lot of the old Disney animated shorts with Mickey and Goofy obviously focusing on sports. And it's it's all, like you said, it's rooted very much in one particular item, and that is a poem. And many people are pretty much aware of the poem, and many people might not be, but the poem was uh, called Casey at the Bat, and it was uh, written by Ernest Thayer, and it was published or first released or whatever in the year 1888. And that is reflected if you walk out to the front sign um, at the front of the building on the Casey's Corner sign. There is a date of 1888 on the sign, and that reflects the uh, him writing the poem. Yeah, and you'll you'll see a lot of references to that poem and the subsequent film that we'll talk about later. But if you go into the seating area, you'll see a sign that has visitors for Mudville 2. And obviously, uh, Mudville, from the poem itself, was, you know, there is no joy in Mud- Mudville when Casey struck out. Um, and you'll see also Mudville pennants um, around the entire restaurant as well. Yeah, that makes reference, like you said, um, Mudville is the team. The Mudville 9 is the team that's prominently featured in the poem, in fact, the first line of the poem is the outlook wasn't brilliant for the Mudville Nine that day. And as you said, it goes through. You actually, I think, quoted the very last line of the, right. <laughs> the poem. So we're kind of bridging the, you know, we got the whole in between there. But that, that's where all those references come from. Yeah, just a, sort of a quick history. You've probably heard of Casey at the Bat. You might not know the poem or have seen the film. Basically, the, the Mudville Nine is losing by a couple of runs with a couple of outs at the bottom of the ninth, and uh, they can win if they can get their their mighty Casey up to bat. Two guys uh, before him who are not expected to to make it on base. That was Blake and Flynn, and when we talk about the Disney film, we'll talk about their characters specifically because I I really like the way they're portrayed um, in, in the Disney film. But the arrogant Casey is, of course, overconfident. He strikes out, ending the game, and uh, sending the, the Mudville home fans home very unhappy. And Jeff, maybe this is a good time to bridge between the 1888 poem and the 1946 Disney animated short. 
Yeah, th- what's really neat is that Casey's Corner is a really, as, as you kind of been alluding to, has been is this really brilliant piece of Disney synergy when it came to the Imagineers doing this because, you know, they had a natural connection with the poem and they, they could have actually just kind of set up Casey's Corner without really any other connection beyond just the historical sense of the poem and such. But the neat thing is, is, is Casey at the Bat was adapted by Disney uh, for an animated film and that was a segment that was used in the 1946 movie Make My Music. Um, Make My Music, Melody Time, um, they were uh, what they called the package films and they were like sort of comprised of like anywhere from eight to ten different um, kind of animated vignettes and Casey and the Bat was one of them in that movie and it was a it was a straight adaptation of the poem to where Jerry Colonna who was a very famous um, voice actor radio performer of the day uh, basically narrates the poem and you see basically the story enacted and as you were mentioning Flynn and Blake um, they're very very well comically portrayed because they get on base and they're taunting the pitcher and Casey comes up swaggering and Casey is this very over exaggerated kind of character you know small small legs but huge you know torso and chest and he basically just taunts the the, uh, the pitcher but um, the interesting thing is is they're incorporated in into uh, Casey's Corner. If you walk in to the um, the counter service or the counter area, um, you look up at the menu board, and on one side of the menu board is Casey, and on the other side is the pitcher for the visitors. And uh, there, so they are actually, you know, you can see the actual Disney incarnations of them there. And interestingly enough, um, it was very very popular segment, and um, a number of years later, uh, in 1954. Um, they decided to release it separately as uh, a standalone just short and in doing so at the same time they produced a sequel and the sequel was called Casey Bats Again and it basically just took inspiration from the original poem because there was no sequel ever written to the poem and it was very much a contemporary kind of riff on it and it was basically contem—I mean, excuse me, um, Casey gets married you know he's, he's, he's had his failure, he's retired from baseball, he gets married and much to his dismay has nine daughters and has no boys to kind of drive the baseball you know spear to and the girls themselves become baseball players and he coaches their team and and through that kind of comic kind of scenario he get get some degree of redemption for what happened to him the first time well the, the interesting thing for me when i watch this again um and what i'm gonna do is i'm actually gonna put a video up in the show notes of both casey bats again and the original Casey at the Bat, so you can kind of get a feel for it. And, and they're also available, like you said, um, as part of the Make My Music DVD, which you know we, we talked about in the past. Definitely suggest picking up. But Disney also puts their own spin on it, and there were a couple of points that I noticed that uh, I just thought were interesting and funny. At the beginning, they don't necessarily read from the poem verbatim until you get sort of almost halfway through the poem, and the narrator talks about, the, the leather-covered sphere hurtling through the air. But at the beginning, they talk about women, you know, ladies just not understanding baseball. Uh, and there's another point where Casey, before he gets up to bat, we see him with seven to ten women sort of laying all over him, just sort of fawning all over Casey. Again, something noticeably absent from the poem itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of gave it a contemporary spin for, for that even being the, the post-World War II era. And they definitely put a, a very much, obviously, a, a very Disney-like comical spin on it. And I remember the part with Flynn, 
his mustache being a very important part of not just how he gets up to bat, but how he hits the ball and how he eventually gets on base. Um, and I just thought it was great, some of that early animation um, that, that so many people maybe just miss and don't really get a chance to appreciate. And Jeff, the other thing of note was you, you mentioned that Jerry Colonna was the narrator. He actually was pretty well known back in the 40s and 50s, and he was actually a sidekick uh, with Bob Hope on some of his radio shows. And of course, kids are asking not only who Bob Hope is, but what the heck's a radio and he also was the voice of the March Hare in the Alice in Wonderland film. Yeah, he he was a very very popular personality, and uh, and that if if you kind of go back and read some of the reviews of Make My Music, you'll you'll always see Casey at the back, kind of lauded as one of the, the high points of the film, and much of that is attributed to to his just over the top, you know, voice narration of it. He he really plays it broad, and it's very very funny and entertaining. Yeah, but so back inside to the restaurant itself, because the seating area, again, you talk about that incredible theming. And, I, and I, I'm sure most people don't look around and, and wonder or, or make the association maybe to Casey at the bat. We talked about the Republic Field sign and the visitors Mudville score. But there's a lot of other great details there. There's a lot of other, like we said, authentic memorabilia. And there's one piece that you and I love that that's not quite authentic. And if you look real close at one of the pictures on the wall you'll see that the people in the picture are definitely not from that era. Yeah, it's a definitely a staged photograph. And, and we've done, you know, we've asked around, we've kind of talked to, to people about it, and we've never ever been able to kind of dig up the specifics of who they were and what their association was, but we just make the assumption that they had something to do with the redesign there on Main Street. And it's, it's a staged picture, and what's especially funny about it is if you examine it very, very closely, they're all basically have their, you know, handlebar mustaches on, and one is, um, I think at least one is distinctly female, but with her handlebar mustache. Yeah, and she's wearing, you know, there's somebody with Velcro sneakers and a pair of Nikes or Air Jordans, which I don't think Casey was wearing in the late 1800s. And let me tell you something, I've gotten a lot of very weird looks taking pictures of, of odd stuff in Walt Disney World. But trying to get a good photo as I'm zooming in with my little point-and-shoot camera, trying to get the shoes and the faces of these people have definitely elicited some strange looks from the families that just want to kind of sit there and eat their hot dog. And, and we should actually we could kind of clarify the context of the picture is that if you if you are in that particular area, that particular wall area is just covered with other vintage photographs of baseball players of that era. So that there's a you have to look, stop and kind of look very closely. And a lot of times it's something that you, you just, just happen to be sitting there. You, you just kind of can stumble upon. I've, I've noted a lot of people that say that's exactly how they noticed it the first time is they sort of did a double take and thought something doesn't look right. And when you, when you kind of examine it a little more closely, you can see, you know, the details that we're talking about. And, you know, the great thing about this area, especially for kids, is for them, this is like a dinner show because they get to sit down They've got their hot dogs kind of wrapped in in the foil pocket, just like you would get at a real baseball game. They're sitting in the bleachers. They've got these animated shorts. Uh, it, it's a great sort of, you know, little diversion for them as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great hidden treasure. Uh, we, you know, I think you might even mention that in in the introduction that it is one of these places where you can get, you know, unless it's like one of the craziest, craziest like points of the day where it's lunchtime or whatever and it's a mob scene, for the most part, you can go in there and it's generally locally key. There's not typically a whole, whole lot of people sitting on the bleachers and it's nice air conditioned and it's it's a great 
10, 15, 20 minute rest stop where you can really kind of relax and chill and you've got entertainment and it's, it's just a great atmosphere. Yeah, and, and take a look at the cast members. They have some of the best costumes. They're wearing these turn-of-the-century baseball uniforms. They've got the knickers. They've got everything. You'll see even in the uh, the area by the stand, as if you were really in a ballpark snack stand, there are newspapers on the walls and a lot of things to really give you that sense that you are in uh, the 1800s. And if you sit out outside, actually, you've got the benefit of the ragtime player uh, on the piano as well. And another very neat neat detail is just right at the entrance there, and those are the two uh, wooden uh, statues of the, the traditional baseball players. Yeah, and he, you know, again, talk about getting odd looks. I've taken pictures of that statue, you know, from the front, from the back, trying to identify, you know, what number it is, whose number that's supposed to be. Looks nothing like the Casey from the film. I could tell you that. Right. Much. <laughs> There's absolutely yeah. It's it's a more. It's what again. It plays to that whole. You know, they kind of went for a very very traditional look overall, and really only snuck the character from the cartoon in up on the uh, on the menu board. Yeah. All right. So we might as well make this into a, a little mini review because we're talking about the menu board. And like I said, Jeff, you want to talk about a place not only get the very best hot dogs on property, but probably one of the better deals for a meal on property this might be it uh, because they've got hot dogs they've got corn dog nuggets you can get chili on your hot dog um, and of course everybody's favorite the the free condiments including the the ever popular cheese sauce yeah it, and I think it's a lot of it's a place that a lot of people bypass because they're sort of on their way to somewhere else and it's it's very easy to kind of walk quickly by it and because there's not this very large kind of seating area to draw you into it and say, oh, look at all the, the seating. You kind of have the outdoor patio seating and then the indoor bleachers. And I think a lot of people tend to bypass it when when, when they should really stop and give it a chance. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and it is sort of a, a little hidden gem, not just because, of course, of the food, but because of some of the great details. And if you're a baseball fan or a sports fan or you like some of those old animated sports shorts, uh, what you can see in the, the, the seating area inside, but it's great to kind of uncover some of these stories and some of these connections to not just Disney characters, Jeff, but some of these other characters that date back, I mean, literally hundreds of years. And again, it, it just, it just again, as we've always said, it shows you the links to which the Imagineers go to to really make your experience an authentic one. And it, and it really shows, especially in something as as not necessarily high profile as an attraction, but a simple refreshment stand. And that's the whole point. Even if you're in just a counter service location, or even if you're just getting a quick bite to eat or sitting down somewhere and relaxing, take the time and look around and, and explore a little bit and wonder and ask. And sometimes you might get a cast member that might be able to help you out. But hopefully segments like these will help introduce you to some of these uh, little details and like we call them hidden treasures. Jeff Pepper, as always, a pleasure, my friend. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Luke. But there is no joy in Mudvin. Mighty Casey has struck out. That's all the time we have for this week's show. I want to say thanks for tuning in once again. 
Also, thanks to my special guests, Steve Trover from All Star Vacation Homes. You can visit them by checking out the link in our show notes page this week or by visiting allstarvacationhomes.com. I also want to say a special thanks to a special person. That's Bert Weiss from Bert's Big Adventure. You can also find the link to his website there. That's bertsbigadventure.org. And thanks to Jeff Pepper for making me hungry for a hot dog. Thanks to our segment on Casey's Corner. You can catch the videos of Casey at the Bat and Casey Bats again on this week's show notes page at wdwradio.com. A couple of quick reminder: If you head on over to DisneyWorldTrivia.com, you can check out the video teaser for the audio guide to Walt Disney World Main Street USA. I am working on the second CD in the series, Adventureland Now, and I will have a release date for that very soon. Remember that you can purchase the CD or instantly downloadable MP3 file from DisneyWorldTrivia.com. And next week, I will be in Walt Disney World, so if you'll be in the parks, hopefully I'll see you there. And if you see me running around with a mic, notebook, or yes... Even my laptop in hand, please come on over and say hi. And uh, as you know by now, I hardly ever sleep. And if for some reason you want to follow what I'm doing from time to time, you can come and check out the DisneyWorldTrivia.com homepage where you can find my instant updates from Twitter. Now, Twitter allows you to get some brief, instant sort of updates as I post them from my computer or phone. You can look for the module on the right-hand side of the page. I'll try and update it as often as possible, especially when I'm in Walt Disney World right from the parks next week. If you want to be on the air and have a segment suggestion, question, or comment, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. You can also call the voicemail at 206-202-4WDW. That's 206-202-4939. Also at wdwradio.com, you can find some other links to recommended products and services like Owner's Locker for your own personal secure storage locker delivered right to your resort. You can also find links to Orlando Fun Tickets for authorized and discounted official Disney tickets, as well as Mouse Fan Travel, my recommended travel provider specializing in Disney vacation destinations. Of course, you can also pick up your official WDWRadio.com shirts right on the site as well. In the next few weeks, we're going to have more DSI, more trivia, some best of the best, factor fiction, interviews, travel planning tips, and more. I'm also going to have some more live segments from the parks, so stay tuned for that. And of course, if you like the show, please post your feedback on the forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. You can find a link to there from the WDWRadio.com show notes. And please review the show on iTunes, but more importantly, please help spread the word and let others know about it. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in again. Happy Mother's Day. See ya. Lou, good afternoon. This is Jamie from Dunloring, Virginia. Just got finished listening to show number 65. Also wanted to chime in on the uh, lack of Sully and the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor Factory show. I think the reason he may not be there is due to the fur. I know that when uh, Pixar did Monsters Inc., they had to do uh, some technological breakthroughs to get the fur to render accurately and naturally. And possibly the way that the uh, the Monsters Inc. show works, that the real-time uh, nature of it, they can't really get those uh, the fur to look good on screen. Just an idea. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. Caleb uh, from Columbus, Indiana here. And uh, my wife and I are here for a little four-day trip to Walt Disney World. We just came to Disney Studios this morning, Saturday, May 10th, and uh, went over to Toy Story Mania, and they are doing the annual pass holder previews this morning. Uh, however, we do not have annual passes, so uh, we were going to look and look on the mercy of some folks to maybe uh, 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 let us in with them. However, uh, it's a two-hour wait right now. Um, just to get on the ride, so uh, we decided we wouldn't uh, wouldn't bother with that right now. But it looks like they are letting people in. They do have a the Pixar Place area blocked off uh, for most uh, guests, so you have to 
get in line just to be able to get behind the bushes. They have blocking the whole thing off, but there's quite a bit of activity going on back there. So just want to let you know. Thanks. Hey, Lou. This is Mark Gurner from Evansville, Indiana. Really enjoy the Walt Disney World radio show. And as one of the entrants in the Dream CMO contest, I really appreciated your interview with Justin. Uh, I was amazed, though, by some of your comments about vacationing uh, during peak season versus going during the off-season. Uh, we have gone in March and October, December, June, February. We will never again go during spring break or during the summer. For us, most of the time we go in September. We find there are lots of advantages to this, and some of those you mentioned, but others you didn't. There are shorter hours, but we literally walk onto most of the rides during the day, and we have seldom had to wait longer than half an hour for an attraction. And although the Magic Kingdom fireworks and their parades may skip a day or two uh, between their performances, Fantasmic and Illuminations, or whatever they're calling it now, and all the parades in Animal Kingdom, uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, they all happen on a daily basis. I've never seen them skip a day, at least in September. Uh, because the parks close sooner, we actually have more of our evenings to relax. And our nights, we actually sleep. So, amazingly, we enjoy our vacation. And we're actually refreshed by the end. Uh, the times we went during peak seasons, we had to take a vacation from our vacation to catch up on our sleep. It was absolutely miserable. Uh, one last benefit to going in September is that for the past few years, Disney's offered their Magic Your Way dining plan for free. So not only do we get lower rates for our resorts, but we saved a couple hundred dollars on foods, and that's a huge expense when you're going for two weeks. Uh, finally, and maybe this is workable for some of your regulars, if you do go on an annual basis and you stay an extended amount of time, uh, you might do what we do. We purchase our annual pass, and for the front end of that pass, we go to Disney World the last two weeks of September. Following year, we go the first two weeks of September and uh, still on the annual pass. With the Disney free dining, we end up only paying for our lodging and transportation on that second year. Well, okay, we have to buy a one-day ticket to get the free dining, but hey, it's good anyhow. Anyhow, keep up the great work and uh, enjoy a dull whip float for me. Thanks. God bless. 